In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. Well, Richard, you're with me today. Hey, listen, listen, that's the first time ever it's been Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's one of those days. (laughs) It's a good day. It's my birthday tomorrow. I know that. I know that. We are uh, both Pisces. We are indeed both Pisces, yes. Fishers swimming in separate directions, apparently. <laughs> Evidently. Anyways, uh, you are broadcasting from the uh, jail again, I understand. I am indeed, but I don't think anybody will be able to see me at this moment because actually I'm in a, I'm in a different part of the jail. I'm actually sitting in the in the main corridor with all the prison cells on the right and left hand side of me, and I I think I'm correct in saying that we're, I'm not actually. We haven't got um, video footage, but people can see still photos by going on to www.ghostcapital.co.uk. That's www.ghostcapital.co.uk. And they'll get still photographs of, of basically where I am now in the, um, in the corridor of the jail. And I've got something to talk to you in a few minutes about because we're talking about doing some form of competition. Well, uh, actually, you know what? And, and before we go into that, I think I, I've got an actually a little introduction for the gentleman we're going to have on our show. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we play that, Eric? Premature Burial. Lurid stories from the 17th and 18th centuries were spread in the popular press about premature burial. Some of these tales were spread by well-meaning doctors. For example, post-mortem reports described corpses with their fingers chewed off, a sign, some doctors said, that the corpse awoke and was panicked and hungry enough to chew its own extremities. In reality, most or all of the cases were actually the result of rodent infestation. However, there was good reason for people to be terrified of being buried alive. Physicians and medical professionals were not all particularly skilled at telling the difference between dead and unconscious, and burials happened so fast due to the heat in some places and the absence of preserving chemicals that it was not unheard of for a person to wake up underground. 
John Bateson was an inventor with a paranoia about this very situation, and so he came up with the Bateson Revival Device, a small church bell attached to the lid of the coffin and connected to a cord strapped to the deceased's hand. The idea was, if you woke up in a coffin, you could ring the bell until somebody rescued you. Because his fears were shared by hundreds of people, Bateson was made wealthy with the device. A terrifying tidbit from Varla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar, available now wherever books are sold. Oh, Ronald. <laughs> so what, what, does, what does that have to do with our guest? That has absolutely everything to do with our guest. In fact, it may well have put our guest off after that, because tonight we have Mr Ian Lawman, who a um, very good friend of mine. Uh, you know him, of course, you've spoken to him in the past. He's got something really very special to talk to us about tonight, because on April the 1st this year, Ian's going to be buried alive. Oh, well, good evening, uh, Ian. Hey, good evening, Richard. Good evening, guys. How are you evening. doing? I'm doing very well. I'm a little bit nervous now you've played that, though. Oh, it, it, gets, it gets worse, don't worry. Thank you very much, guys, for that. <laughs> so, so, Ian, how, how have you been, my friend? I've been very, very well, thank you. And yourself? Very good. And, and so why in the world are you going to be buried in a coffin? I, I'm really uh, intrigued by this. Well, I mean, uh, there's two reasons, really. A lot of people have attempted to do it and failed. The last six people's failed. There's so many stories out there of people saying they've done it, they've attempted it, but there's never been a proper record of people actually officially doing it with two tons of soil, six-foot burial. Um, there's people who's attempted it in pub yards and things like that, but they've had TVs in there and toilets and things. So mine's a proper... <laughs> So it's like living in a little room, but mine's a proper um, burial. It's seven foot. Uh, it's a seven foot coffin. So I've got a foot at the bottom of the coffin where I can actually put my sleeping bags in the daytime, and it's three foot in height, um, basically so we can get a good webcam view because there's twenty four hour webcam in there, and so I can actually do a little bit of exercise to keep my uh, body motivated. So there's that side of things. Then the other side of things is. I've had this burning ambition to get as close to death without actually dying myself. Um, so it's actually getting as close to death, putting myself in a near-death experience. And we're doing it in Dudley Castle in Birmingham, and I'm only a foot above the archaeological site. Um, so what's it going to be like for me being trapped in a coffin for a full week with um, bones and, and various other objects just below me? Well, you know, Ian, uh, you, you did bring up one thing. Which uh, do you do? You, how long are you going to be there? Did you say? Uh, maybe I missed it. Yeah, I'm going to be down there for seven days. Seven days. Now, now yeah. uh, you did mention that the coffin will be a little bit larger, which is a good thing because uh, I don't know if most people know, but uh, pulmonary embolisms actually occur. Uh, or, or not necessarily plumery, but blood clots uh, because of uh, inactivity and uh, dehydration. So you're risking your life uh, on overseas flights because they're so long, people develop blood clots. So I am glad that at least you have a little bit of room to manipulate yourself. 
Yeah, I've got I've got a little bit of movement. Um, I need that movement. I mean, I've been looking and studying for two years now, so it's not a project that I've just come, you know, woke up one morning and think, right, I'm going to be buried alive. It's something, you know, I've <laughs> been working with experts. Yeah, exactly. I've been working with experts now for two years, and we're looking at various prototypes of boxes, coffins, what we can use, and we've come up with a perfect solution now, um, the perfect height. It's still very low. I can't sit up physically. A lot of people think three foot, that's, that's a lot of height, but it's not when you've got a mattress in there. You've got the depth of a mattress so in theory the box is still very close to my face and and um i can't physically sit up i can crawl over and turn over and if i crouch right down i possibly can get on all fours if i'm very lucky oh god i couldn't i just don't ian I, you're a very brave man uh because i just you know i i presume that you're not claustrophobic in any way um can you ask me in about four days, Richard? Yeah. <laughs> down there. <laughs> um, no, not really. At, at the moment, I'm fine. I've done um, little potholing and kind of things like that uh, in, in kind of preparation for it. So, so you know, I am used to close to you know close um, kind of spaces and, and, and various things like that. So, so, but actually being down there for a full week, you know, your mind starts playing tricks with you. What I'm more concerned about is waking up in the morning if I do actually get some sleep and then realising or panicking and think I've actually passed over to the spirit world. How scary will that be? <laughs> yeah, it could put you in the right frame of mind, you know, for, for all manner of things. Because the, the big thing that I, I sort of, you know, when I, when I spoke to you about it was the fact that where you are, you are actually going to be, for all you know, uh, alongside... Other burials, other yes, dead people. That's, that's really? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Ron, that's the big, that's the the beauty of it, for want of a better word, because we've got uh, Dudley Castle. I mean, we're talking of a medieval castle that goes back sort of like uh, eleven hundred years. Um, and although they know certain certain things, they they don't know where everyone was buried. They don't. Know, I mean, there was a plague pit for a start. Uh, a lot of people died from the Black Death. Um, at Dudley, as they did all over Europe, and you really don't—you really don't know who, who you're going, who your neighbours are going to be for that week. Well, I may wake up with somebody in the box with me. That's a worry. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, but especially you being a medium as well. That's the other thing, Ian. It's—it's it, it's taking things. Um, to a new realm, as far as I can see. That, that uh, as, I mean, you know the other people that have done it in the past? Have yeah. any of them been mediums? No, none at all, Richard. I mean, it's a, it, this is a new thing. Good it's man. totally psychological. Um, it can screw me up totally. And, uh, you know, the doctors and everyone I've spoken to have said to me, it's not actually the week during, it's, the, you know, the following weeks, months afterwards where I could occur problems. Yes, of course. Um, that that that's, that really concerns me. That, that the fact that uh, that you're going to be down there uh, as a medium um, mm -hmm. in the ground with dead people. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always say that the the last place on earth to be haunted is is a graveyard. Uh, and and you, I know you're not in a graveyard. But the the thing you've got to remember is that you're probably buried with people that actually weren't buried in consecrated ground. So in other words... Exactly, and, and this is what we've got to think about. I mean, a, a churchyard or a cemetery has been blessed, it's holy and everything, so the priest, the vicar or whoever has blessed that ground, yeah. they've put them to rest where we actually are. I mean, you know you know yourself, there's battles there and everything, and these people had traumatic deaths. Yeah. And um, was, was there, are they attached to a little bit of bone that's still hovering in the ground there? Highly likely. And again, are they, you know, not at rest? That means that they're, they're around, and that means they. I don't know whether they're with their bodies, whether they're in the soil, in the graves. Um, 
and you're that that's actually to me almost almost worse than actually being in a box uh, seven six feet under the ground this is not knowing it's going to come knocking well uh, yeah i mean i mean the psychological effects of that is going to be horrific you know there's there's going to be um i'm going to have skype in there with me so hopefully wow. you know um you know we can do a live feed down there for you um oh yes can we do that can, can yeah. we do that? I don't see why we can't do that. Uh, that would be uh, awesome, uh, Ian. I think that would be unbelievable. We'll have that right on the show. Well, I think it's good because yeah. Richard knows the history there and everything. It would just be nice to, to do the live feed um, to all your viewers and, and listeners out there. I, I think it would be great. That's a really good idea, uh, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, definitely hold you to that one. Because, um, again, if someone, if someone suddenly pops in the coffin, you describe them to me, and I'll try and tell you who they are from history. Well, uh, well, well why don't we do that? Why don't, why don't we have, like, a, a psychic, psychic night there where I actually tune in to, to what I'm feeling at that moment in time? Yeah, why don't we just do that? Yeah, that's, 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 that will be good. Yeah, Ian, yeah, Ian, are you brave enough to do it the other way around as well? Uh, uh, what do you mean by the other way around? I, I don't... Is is to try to connect to us psychically as well? What What do you mean? What What do you mean by that? Oh, I got him nervous. I think he's more nervous now of this than there was of the coffin. No, I, I mean, what if we did a, psych, a psychic experiment while you were in there as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm up for that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I could probably talk to Karen about coming up with something that we could do, and uh, that it, we might even get Karen on here. That would be interesting. Why yeah. not? Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a good yeah. idea. I'm, I'm up for it. Any, anything that, that uh, you know, because the big one is, Ron, that, 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 that Ian is actually doing the whole of this. This is not... This is not a stunt. Um, mm -hmm. That's the big one. We we need to remember that, that Ian is is a bona fide medium, um, not a stunt man, um, and is actually doing this for charity, um, which is very interesting as well. So it's it's damn good cause. Have, have you two, have you two set me up this evening and kind of dropping these little crips in because Richard says he's a bona fide medium? Oh, <laughs> listen, my friend. Yes, I've been thinking about now that that was off the cuff, completely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I actually have a couple of questions about this uh, uh, experiment that you'll be doing. Uh, first of all, uh, you certainly will, will have a, a doctor available to you while you're doing this, I assume, correct? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's fully. I mean, I've had a full medical beforehand. Um, you know, I've had to have all that done. Uh, medicals passed okay. Um, just before I get in the box, there'll be paramedics and everybody there checking me out, checking heartbeats and 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 my mental state, obviously. Um, and then also um, uh, during um, the week of the box, there'll be ECGs and stuff going on as well, just to make sure when I'm asleep, there's nothing kind of on going on there. What uh, anyone needs to worry about, really. So, so it's full, full medicalised. It's full security, and, and the safety teams, you know, immense. You can imagine. You know, it's two years in the process. So, if if something goes wrong, and I'm not wishing anything on you, Ian, uh, if if something goes wrong. Do we know how long it would take them to get to you? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it depends which way we look at it. If I if something goes wrong for me physically, but I'm still awake, I can get out within about five to ten seconds. Um, oh, okay. what's the reason why we've done this, um, we've got an escape procedure, because the only day we could get for Dudley Castle for the full week was April the 1st, which is obviously in our country April Fool's Day. I know, so, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
So a lot of people was panicking that it's going to be a big hype, a big April Fool's joke. So I had to design the coffin slightly different, where the head part of the coffin is a glass panel. Uh-huh. And from the, from the glass panel six foot down to the surface six foot up, there's going to be a funnel all the way to the surface where people during that week can actually physically see me down there. Okay? No, no um, picking so your now, nose at that time. Remember that. Yeah, so um, even though I've got 24-hour webcam in there, I could uh-huh. still be sat at home doing that in, in theory. So uh-huh. this, this glass panel's proof, evidence that I'm there 24-7. But also an emergency procedure, because they would normally have to dig me out. We've designed this uh, where this um, funnel can be lifted off, off physically by um, a man. Uh-huh. And then from the inside, I can break this safety glass, special design glass, and I'm in and out. Um, and then also, um, they can actually shatter the glass and, and get me out that way if need be. Well, at least, you know, it really seems like you've put a lot of thought in this. And, and I, you know, it, it, it's a great experiment, but, you know, it's, it's very dangerous. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I give you, uh, uh, Brian, in fact, in the uh, chat room said, he says, you guys are all mad. <laughs> you, you're that all very, very brave. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, people say to me, have you thought it through? You know, like I keep saying, it's been two years in the process. The safety team's immense. The health and safety, as you can, aman- as you, as you can imagine, is, is absolutely immense. You know, the safety procedures we've taken in, in, in place and, and, you know, everything, everything's just kind of there and, and um, you know, ready if anything goes wrong. And, we, we, you know, we have to be realistic. You know, I've sat down with my wife and I've said to my wife, you know, let's look at this logically. I could die here. You know, this could go awfully wrong and I could lose my life. Uh, and, and sitting down to your family and saying that because it, it's, not, it's not something I have to do. So, so to turn around to your family and say, look, I'm doing this because it's something I need to try. It, it's something what I want to do for my career, but it could go wrong. This is the last time you could see me. Wow. So, you know, it's hard. Yeah, I think the fabulous thing about all of this is that, that, that you are actually doing it correctly um actually being buried you know with six foot six foot of english earth on top of you in a in a real coffin um mm. and not not just for a stunt because the the fact that you know i keep reiterating the fact that you are a medium and so there is yes. a, a, a real genuine reason other yep. than raising money for charity for actually yep. doing this because it's you're pushing the how can i put it you're you're actually taking this to a new a new dimension a new realm that that no one has ever done before nobody knows what will happen to your mental state exactly while you're in there yeah precisely and and do you know the, the one of the kind of strangest things as well there's going to be no mediums on site so it's something i'm going to have to keep keep um control of myself i mean there's going to be mediums on the launch night there's a massive launch night where um fans and people can have access to the site and everything um but once everyone's left that evening I'm on my own, you know, I've got an emergency team at the top where I've got talk back 24-7, so I'm always in communication with them, but they're not mediums, you know, the paramedics, are um, hospital staff, the security staff, so there's nobody, nobody there who, who can help me if anything goes wrong um, psychically or, 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 or as a medium. Gosh, gosh, I mean, that, that is, again, something that no, nobody knows, you don't know what you're in for, of course, and neither does anybody else, because no one else has done it. No, exactly, Richard. I, I, you know, no, I've not, I've not tried it. Um, you know, it's not something I mean, you do on a daily basis. I'll just give, give it a shot, see how I feel. You know, no, absolutely um, right. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just tell me, tell me, who the other people that have done it before, or, or tried to do it before? What, yeah. Who are they? What what sort of people are they? Were they? Well, well, there's kind of a local guy um, somewhere, um, kind of, um, I think Manchester area, who did it in a pub car park. Mm. Um, but his his box was vast. His his was massive. Um, he's done it for a long period of time, um, but he's not a medium or anything like that. Um, and then there's also, if you look on YouTube, um, Buried Alive stunts going wrong. Um, right. A lot of people was trying to do the Harry Houdini stunt where the soil then put concrete on top of um, on top of the box. Oof. And there's one poor guy on there. Um, if you look on YouTube, Buried Alive stunts going wrong. You actually see him dying. You see the concrete crush him to death. Oh my goodness me! And, and this, is, this, is, this is also what we have to take into calculation as well, is that, you know, the measurements and the pressure that, that the, the box has been tested under, is oh. it's okay saying, yeah, um, yeah, we've worked the calculations, there's two tonne of soils. What happens if it's snow? What happens if it rains? You can virtually double the weight. Yes, of course. Mm. Wow. And, and, of course, it's a slightly bigger coffin than normal. Yes. So, so, so the weight, you know, the ratio and all of that sort of soil lying on top of the lid, uh, that would be something that I, I couldn't go with. Because funnily enough, Ron, I don't know whether it's out over there. It's an American film, of course. There's a film out at the moment called, I think it's called Buried Alive, isn't it? Or, it's no, it's called, not. It's called 27 Hours or 127 Hours. All right, OK. I know there's a movie out recently called Buried, wasn't there? Right, there was, right. The, well, anyway, anyways, well, we just got on to the Pararex network. We had a little bit of trouble getting on before, so we want to welcome the Pararex listeners. And we are talking with uh, Ian Lawman, who is, on April 1st, going to be buried alive at, uh, what's the name of the castle? It's actually Dudley Castle in Birmingham. Dudley Castle in Birmingham. If I knew where that was, I could comment on it, but I can't. It's right in the centre of England. So... Uh, let, let me, uh, in, in regards to that, Ian, um, uh, what is your nationality? I know you're all Brits, and this drives me nuts, but I can never figure <laughs> it out. Uh, uh, what is your lineage, your nationality? Uh, are you English? Yes, I am, yes. Okay. Now, yeah. what's the, the history of this place? Was it always an English uh, castle? I, I think you're going to have to hand that over to Richard. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an English castle since uh, oh, just after William the Conqueror uh, came here. In fact, before he came, there was a Saxon uh, wooden wooden castle on the site. It's a very, very, very old site. Uh, it's about eleven hundred years old, uh, and many battles, um, sieges, uh, and it's a very, very haunted place as well. That's the other thing you see that intrigues me so much. Twice a year, we do an event. Uh, at Dudley Castle, where uh -huh. I do a thing called the, hu the huge ghost hunt, where we do a, a big hunt, ghost hunt there. Uh, it's very, in fact, it's funnily enough, it's the very first place that I did m on Most Haunted. It was the really? first live, yeah, the first ever Most Haunted live uh, was from Dudley Castle. That's where I made my debut um, on TV at Dudley Castle. So it, you know, it's quite special to me, to, to, to say the least, and it, it, I know how haunted the place is. Um, so I know that, that Ian is going to be um, surrounded, for want of a better word, with, um, with spirits. That, that, that intrigues me beyond words. Um, yeah, it's very haunted, very, very famous castle uh, right in the heart of England, in the centre of England. And um, I, I think he's a very brave man, and I think he's, he's doing a wonderful job. And the, the whole idea... Tell us who you're raising money for, Ian. 
Yeah, it's for um, raising um, all the funds um, is for a gentleman called PC David Rathband. And he's a gentleman who got shot in Cumbria, uh, a police officer on duty, and he's now blinded by... He was Luckily, he survived a gunshot. It was point-blank range, and he survived a gunshot, and he's now blind. And he's set a charity called the Blue Lamp Foundation, um, which raises funds for anybody who's involved with blue lamps, like ambulance, fire, air ambulance, and police, obviously. He was injured in active service, so that funds goes to help those guys. Actually, uh, if if you can get me a, an email, I'll put that up on my website too, and, and uh, maybe we can uh, promote it a little bit on our end as well. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. That would be great. That would be good, because I tell you what, it's rather funny, because obviously everything that's going on all around the world with with servicemen, soldiers, there's there's lots and lots of, of, of charities out there these days uh, that raise money for our heroes. You know, we have we have a, a fantastic charity over here now, which is called Help for Heroes, which of course is, is it raises raises money for all the 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 soldiers, uh, sailors, and airmen. You know that are injured. Uh, in, in, in Afghanistan, in, in, in Iraq, uh, in the Gulf War, wh- whatever, wherever it is. But no one seems to think about all of the, the guys, as, as Ian just said, the Blue Lamp guys, the, the, the emergency services that get injured um, in the line of duty in exactly the same way as our, our, our soldiers and sailors and airmen do. So this is a very commendable thing. I, I think it's uh, fantastic, and I, I want to help in any way I can. You know, I was a little bit surprised you said gun- gunshot. I mean, we always have the uh, the uh, the thought that that uh, you know there wasn't very many weapons over in the UK. It's you guys. In fact, the Bobbies are armed now, or are they are not armed? No, no, not not. We we have we have guys that are called armed response units uh-huh. that 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 uh, if if for some reason uh, a guy's spotted with with a weapon. Uh, then, then we we call on our armed response units, but but I, I don't know the percentage, but the vast majority of of police officers in this country are unarmed. Um, there'll always be one. Obviously, we have them at at, at um, um, very special points and at air air airfields and uh, airfields um, that sort of stuff. You know, um, airports and things like that. But us, our our Guys are not not armed, no wrong. And, you know, there's not a lot, compared to America, there's not an awful lot of gun crime. But uh, this poor guy was shot, um, I think it was just before Christmas, wasn't it, Ian? Yes, it was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just before Christmas um, by this silly man in Cumbria who was going around shooting everyone else. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much on the radio, but, yeah, he was a, a guy who um, basically had a bit of a breakdown and, and went around to rampage um, shooting people. Um, but what people don't realise, like all, all our police, fire and, and ambulance, they're on the front line every day of their life, you know. Um, they don't go... Um, they don't join the police force, the ambulance force, and, and, and the fire brigade to, to be shot at. They are there, there to help our communities. But unfortunately, it, it's like Afghanistan out there now for them because there's people, unfortunately, in this country with knives and guns. Oh, that's that's sad. It is. It's 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 getting it's getting worse, obviously. But but we're still. I'm very I'm very glad myself that we're actually still resisting um, the 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 idea of of arming. The police are, are, you know, full scale. So, because my my serious problem is, once once we arm the police as well, then then more of the more of the gangsters and and thieves and robbers will arm themselves as well. But uh, it's a it's all for debate. But uh, yeah, we're we're still 
we're not bad. We're, we're not. It doesn't happen too often yet. Well, that's that's a good thing. I mean, you know, it's the one thing I do respect about your country is that, uh, you know, that you know you have much less violence than than we do in in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I'm I know we're coming. News. Go we're on, coming sorry. Up, yeah, we're coming up on the break there, Richard. So, uh, Ian, are you going to still hang on with us? Ian? Yeah, of course I am, guys. Yeah, no problem at all. Great, okay. we'll talk some more in a minute. Okay, so you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Pilix and Ron Kolick on TojiNet, uh, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Miller X family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. What's going on? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, Ian. Uh, so we That's have no clue. <laughs> so, anyways, let's just go on. <laughs> you are yeah, listening. Yeah, you are listening. Hopefully, to Ghost Chronicles International. Oh, there. It's actually uh, okay. We're not on yet. Okay. Paranormal. Okay, we are back. Uh, we are broadcasting live, uh, even though we can't hear a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, anyways, uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick, and our very special guest is Ian Lawman. Now, Ian, I, I have to go on your Facebook page, and, and by the way, Ian will be buried alive on April 1st for seven days for a benefit, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I was on your Facebook uh, page, Ian, and I noticed it said Exorcist. Well, that scared the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You want to go into a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, I trained um, three years with the uh, Church of England um, in the UK uh, to become an ordained minister to work um, for the deliverance team as a exorcist. Ian, Ian, okay. Ian tell me what the deliverance team is. I need to know more. Okay, well, the deliverance team is um, a specialised team who solely works for the Church of England um, as um, exorcists. So they, they go out on blessed houses um, when called into do so. Got weird stuff going on. <laughs> hey, listen, that sounded evil. I have no clue what that was. I think there's a demon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <through>. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you exercise it quickly? <laughs> we need Ian quickly on this one. Okay. So, anyways, Ian, uh, what have you been doing? Uh, I mean, you were on uh, uh, Most Haunted for a while there, and what have you been doing uh, since you left the show? Well, I, I've been obviously doing Living with the Dead series one, series two. Oh, um, that's right. Which, that's right. Yeah. Yep, So I've been doing that. That finished. Um, that's just been finished airing in uh, America. It went out to the states and also Australia. Um, and then, uh, we, obviously, I'm looking at this new project, Buried Alive, which, which is going to be taking a lot of my time up um, for the next for the rest of um, the rest of this year, really, because I've got another project after Buried Alive, which will be another similar sort of thing to um, Buried Alive, if you like. Oh God, that's that's. Freaky. One of the things that I was at, I asked if you were English because I was thinking uh, that, for instance, if if this was like a Scottish area where uh, the Scots had at one time, or the Irish, or or whoever with the Welsh or whatever, uh, I was wondering, being buried in the ground close to them, if that would make a difference or an impact on on what you would feel and, and see. Um, I don't really know. I mean, possibly, yeah, possibly it would have um, a difference. But I, I think once you're underground anyway, I, I do believe, because um, I'm trapped in a confined space, um, spirits from all over the place, you know, not just Dudley Castle, they'll, they'll certainly be attracted. It'd be like a, um, a bee, you know, bee or a fly around honeypot, really. You know, they're going to be drawn. They're going to they're gonna come to it. Yeah. So, Richard, what, what, is, what is your thought on this? I mean, do, do you think this is, uh, you know, uh, do you think it will really bring out some really interesting facts uh, that, that have never been exposed being, you know, in that type of area? I mean, even his, you will have a, a little bit of, uh, I would, sensory deprivation, I think, a, a little bit being buried there as well. Yeah, that's that's yeah. my thoughts on the whole damn thing. Uh, I I think that uh, it's a bit like people say, why do you get why do you do ghost hunting in the dark? Uh, because our, basically, we all know that ghosts are not creatures of the night, but our senses are so much more heightened at night. So you imagine what it's like, <laughs> what it's going to be like, not only being in the dark, which he is obviously. I mean, I presume you're going to have a torch with you while you're in, and, and a, a mini TV and a, a Walkman and all sorts of other things. I would think and a microwave you. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. 
there's, there's, um, there's going to be no torch. Um, like I said, there's going to be a Skype connection so I can talk via Skype. Um, there's yeah. going to be talk back radio um, so I can talk to the security guys. And, and, and that is it, really. That you know, There's no kind of luxury down there, unfortunately. Um, every, everything's um, very simple. You, know? you are no, joking. Nothing. You're you, you you, you, you telling me you're not even going to have a torch? Um, I, I think um, I, I just feel the torch may be, um, I don't know, we'll have to come to health and safety on that. I didn't want to take a torch down because then you're so tempted to use it, aren't you? Yeah. Right. Um, and I know it sounds crazy, but, but the thing is, if I have a torch, I'm going to be so tempted to use it, then when my batteries go, I'm going to panic. <laughs> so I think it'd be nicer not to have one. Oh, I couldn't do it. I don't know. I don't... So your sensors are going to be heightened beyond... Oh, come on, guys. Be- beyond anybody's sensors for, for anything other than being put into a, a, a... You know, obviously, people that suffer trauma for whatever reason. Uh, you are going to be taken so close to the edge, Ian... Uh, that I, I cannot imagine what 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 I don't mean mentally. I'm talking about uh, paranormally. That God only knows what may happen. Well, I, I think Richard, you're, you're totally right on both aspects. Really, I think I'm going to be close to the edge mentally as well. I mean, it, you know, yeah. you've got to keep very stable down there. You've got to keep um, communication. That's why you know psychologists said I need Skype down there. So at least at any point during the day, you know, any point during the time I'm down there, 24 hours, I can talk to somebody, whether it's in America or somewhere. You know, there's someone going to be online, so I can communicate. Um, but yeah, my, my senses are going to be absolutely going all over the place um, because you know you're getting your zone, and I'll be in my zone. And, and I'll be putting my guard up 24-7, waiting for spirit to come forward. And, and yeah. you know, how long can you do that for? How long can you stay open for? How right. long can you stay closed for before they, they open you again? So it's, it's going to be a massive challenge. Oh, I mean, are you concerned at all about being perhaps, uh, you know, uh, as, as a, almost becoming a transmedium where you get possessed? Well, wouldn't that be funny if I went in as Ian Lawman and came out as somebody else, Emma the Eighth or something? That would be so cool. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's crossed my mind. Um, I, ha- I, I have done trance before in the past. Um, you know, I, I have got that ability. It's something I kind of steer away from because I don't know how. You know, the media don't kind of warm to it, so it's always always hard to kind of prove that you're genuine in, in that field. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very very difficult. But I think it'd be fascinating if I'm talking to you. Um, you know. Um, when I when I do the live um, link up, that I start talking in a foreign accent or something, wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, well, it depends. Uh, you laugh, but actually, the first uh, uh, live broadcast on Tojinet that we did from the Wyndham restaurant, Maureen, I, who was my co-host at that time, uh, is a trans medium. That's exactly what happened. She started uh, trans channeling some drunken spirit from a bar. So yeah, right, right in the middle of the show. So that was interesting. Wow! Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. You see, for all we know, Ian, you may start talking in old old uh, medieval French or something, because obviously we're talking of a Norman castle uh, yeah. from sort of ten sixty six when William the Conqueror invaded. Um, there's no telling what you know. I, I mean, really, the, the you know the paranormal world should take note in a big way. 
Uh, what's yeah, I, I think so. I think I think this project's got, um, you know, I think uh, personally it's got potential of bringing all the paranormal companies together, uh, all, all the psychics, and, and, you know, it's got potential. We should sit and learn by this and, and, and take it as an experiment and see what happens. Um, but I, I'm getting, do you know what I'm getting more excited about is the theories that people come up with. Oh, I bet he escaped at night. I bet this. I bet he's got a room behind there. So oh, really? You know, that's what I'm... That's what I'm getting excited about because I know that the theories that will be going around will be crazy. Yeah, they will. They will. There's so many. That's the trouble, you see. We all know it's, it's all our, our game. It's our business. There's so many sceptics out there that, that uh, won't believe. That's why, you've, you, as you say, you've got to cover yourself. You've got to be watched, I suppose, 24-7 um, so that you can prove to the world that, that you've really done it and that, that there is and no... Do you, know, do you know what also I've done, Richard, as well, is because I've not only used my own security team, which I have, mm. I've also put an advert out there for people um, from all over Facebook, all, um, all people who's, who's interested in the paranormal, they're allowed to volunteer, right, and yeah. come and, and watch over my coffin 24-7. Um, so we've got a mix of professional people and everyday people. So there's evidence there. And, and if you're listening, guys, if you want to volunteer to come on, on that week and look after me throughout the evening or something, you come along and then there's your evidence that I'm in that box. My goodness me. It, it, it's absolutely unique, isn't it, Ron? I've never heard anything quite like it before. I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic experiment, and, uh, you know, I really give you credit for, you know, attempting it. Uh, you know, whether, you know, you can last that seven days. I, you know, I'm really not, you know, really not sure. I mean, that's, that's going to be quite the uh, length of time. I mean, that really concerns me more than anything, I think. I, I, I think so, and, and you know, I think what I should do, I should come over um, to the states and challenge you guys and do it out there. Oh, if you're going to go in a coffin in the states, the seven states in my neighborhood, I'm in the one next to you. <laughs> well, there you are. Let's do it. That could Why happen. Not? It could happen. It could yeah. indeed. Yeah, it could. Well, listen, once you've done it and you've proved to the world that you can do it and proved to yourself that, that, that you've done it, then, then to be honest with you, in the world is your oyster. Well, I think, I think Richard is, you know, um, like I've said, um, there's a couple more things that's going on after, after um, yes. Buried Alive. And it's not going to stop at Buried Alive. It is now getting as close to death as possible um, for lengths of time. So, so you know, it's, it's not going to be a one-off. It is going to be... A series Theory. of events, um, mm-hmm. two to three events a year. Um, I'm planning, and um, you know, and I, I just think we, we need to try and touch um, the spiritual side of things. Try and touch, um, see if we can get as close to death without actually kind of flatlining. Really, I suppose. Oh my! You know what he's going to do next? Right? He's going to be buried at sea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, actually, actually, Ian, I have a a step up on your foot up on you is because I, I consider myself. Uh, uh, with two near-death experiences, uh, once when I had my plumerine embolism and another time when I had my heart operation. And I swear I was somewhere else the, than where I was. So, okay, I don't so know. What did you actually see? Did you see anything? Or? I did. I did. The, the first one, uh, which is, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about in my book, Ghost Chronicles, is that uh, when I... 
basically I had a pulmonary embolism and they rushed me into the ICU. And then while I was in there, I ended up being like somewhere else. It was really strange. It was very, very bright, like white. Everything was bright white. Um, there was, uh, very warm. Um, and, and I always use the analogy, like, uh, it was like the, uh, Madonna song, like a prayer. It felt like home. That's what it felt like. It was very comfortable feeling. Um, there was, uh, I, I say angelic music because I have no other way of describing it, but it was some type of uh, audio uh, sense, sensation that I had. And uh, and there were, uh, I would describe as people or, or whatever, but they were, they were just, just very white, and that's all I could see. I couldn't see faces, couldn't see anything. And it, and that, that whole thing just closed and like the uh, clo- it just disappeared like the closing of an iris. It just in the bright whiteness and everything was gone to the dim lights of the ICU. There was the music or whatever it was was replaced by the uh, beat of uh, my heart on the monitor, and there were no people at all in the room at all. So I mean, it was, it was strange, and, and and I had a similar uh, experience uh, another time when I had my heart operation. But in this one, I was in a, a different place, in, in like a garden almost, because I could hear birds and I could hear uh, like a wind and and uh, plants rustling and everything. But the same thing, the same bright whiteness and the, and the same warmth and the feeling of being home. So, uh, you know, Richard asked me if I've ever been afraid of what I do, and I would say no. I, I think because of this, uh, you know, I don't really fear death. So, I mean, that's my story. What it was, I have no clue. Uh, could have been, for instance, drugs or something that they gave me. Very possible. Uh, I can just tell you what I experienced. That's all. That's an absolutely fantastic story, and it's an amazing journey, isn't it? And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, whether people believe that or not, you know, that, that is very real. And um, I'm sure Richard's spoken to a lot of people who's had similar experiences yeah, yeah. Um, themselves. I mean, I don't, I don't know if for Richard, he may have had an experience. I don't know. But, no. you know, um, people I've connected with have told me a very similar sort of stories, and it's very emotional. And, and I totally believe, you know, it, it is a, a near-death experience. I think I believe that, you know, um, for whatever reason, was it your time to go? Um, and then he decided, no, hang on a minute, we'll bring him back. Or was it a mistake that they took you and then they just, you know, brought you back because it was the wrong time? But uh, yeah, I, I believe that, that what you had there was a, definitely a near-death experience. Fantastic. The, the interesting thing about it, Ian, is that uh, prior to that, I had no interest in ghosts or ghost hunting or, or anything paranormal investigating whatsoever. Yeah, it was only yeah. af- after that experience that I got involved in it. But, but do you know something? I, I was talking to um, a, a guy who's, who's massive in, in R&B, and I'm, I'm not going to kind of say too much about the guy, but he, he's a massive believer in, in the paranormal and, and the kind of psychic stuff and everything. And, and he believed that people who's had near-death experience also become very psychic because they've touched the other side and they understand how the other side works and they become very sensitive. Hmm. That's, that's an interesting yeah. thing because... I never considered myself a psychic. Actually, I never believed in psychics or mediums. I thought they were all charlatans. But since all these years of working, I always thought it was working with Maureen, but maybe this was the way of activating or whatever. But I call myself a, a dumb psychic now in, in that I just know things. 
uh, and they usually are true. Uh, it's not that I try at it or whatever. They're just stuff that pops into my brain. So uh, I don't try being a medium. or don't try being a psychic. But I, I seem, you know, like I said, I have to call myself this dumb psychic because it just comes to me, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I shouldn't be interviewing you guys. This is the way around, isn't it? But, Richard, you know, over – I mean, I've known you for years now and, and yeah. good mates and everything. But have you found um, since over the years you've been working in the paranormal, has that made you more sensitive or has it made, it more, has, or has it made you more cynical? That's, that's a, an amazing question, actually, because, I mean, you, you've, everybody's heard me say that I'm a psychic brick with a B. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because I, I just you know I, I've I've seen a ghost I've heard a ghost yeah I've travelled with a ghost and Ron knows only too well that I've now been touched up by a ghost on the battlefield at Gettysburg so you, I've you had slept four... with one too didn't you sorry you slept with one too didn't you oh yeah that's right yeah and that's it that's the whole of my life that's and I've been in uh, quite a few <laughs> the haunted locations over the years and I, as you know I have a respect for the paranormal for, for yeah. spirits and I have a fear for it at the same time um, and I, I just don't the only thing I would say and I, I, I've started saying to this to people quite a long time now being branded on the pro, on, on Most Haunted as the historian I've always been the guy that's done the research before going to a haunted location and so I feel that I know the spirits before anything even starts to happen because yes. I have a what's the word an empathy for them I know them. I've researched them I've looked them up and so when someone when when a table starts to move I'm something comes through to me and I'm thinking I know the I know who this is. This is Margaret, whatever her name is, who committed suicide here. And because she committed suicide, I believe she's still here. And then I start asking questions. You know, yeah. is Margaret? Is it you? Are, yeah. You know, and, and, and I get and I, I get a, a, a positive answer from it. Yeah. And, and so, so yes, I say I'm not sensitive, but I actually think I am sensitive to the situation. I think is the way I'd put it. Yeah, yeah. See, I would like to take you, Richard to a location that you don't know anything about. Yes. That would be great. And I'd, lo I'd love to walk around with you. And, and, and I'm, I wouldn't say a thing. And it'd be interesting to see if you, you know, say, oh, there's a bit of a cold spot here. And then let's look at it scientifically. I would love to do that just because I believe, right, because you're very artistic. You've, you, you're kind of buzzing all the time, 24-7, yep. never sit down. <laughs> and I, I think there's a lot of, I think, and I'm quite confident in saying that, you'll be surprised how psychic you are. Well, you never know. I may, I may well be a, a closet psychic for all you know. I mean, there I, you I, go. I, Maybe. And there's another one. There's another Maybe thing. Time to come out, Richard. Well, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I came out on Toginet. Um, but but the thing is, you see, that there's there's another side to it. I, I did it. We we Ian and I did an event, uh, uh, Ron, uh, for a charity on 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 Saturday night at uh, Chillingham Castle, which is one of the most haunted castles in in the world. I think it's absolutely yes. fantastic yes. place. And yes. and people they come as they do all the time. Come and have a photograph taken. Blah 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 blah. And um, this this lady, we're taking photographs, and this lady says to me, "Be careful with this guy because he's an orb finder." And I said, "I'm sorry." And she said, "Well, wherever, whenever I have my photograph taken with you, or whenever you have, whenever I've seen photographs of you, there are always orbs around you." And I said, "Yeah, do you know?" That's true. People keep sending me pictures, and and there's there's I, I don't know what orbs are, by the way. I'm not sure. But and then I actually said to someone that 
Well, this is rather strange because I've actually got a photograph of me at the age of 18, which is, as Ron knows, only two way. Well, it's a very, very long time ago. Uh, this was before the days of digital photography. And I've got an orb on my shoulder. And this was with an old-fashioned box brownie-type camera. So perhaps, perhaps there is more to me than... Um, that, that I try to, in other words, I perhaps brush it all under the carpet. Um, I mean, Eleanor, Eleanor and Chris, who are with me, you know, down the jail tonight, looking after me because I'm frightened in here on my own. Um, Eleanor's always <laughs> told me that when I die, I will haunt. How's about that? I oh, think you're right. I, I think, you know, um, not our generation, a generation um, after we've gone, they'll be looking mm. at all the ancient prisoners and everything and go, hang on a minute, who's that guy in that leather coat? <laughs> You never know, do you? <laughs> it is a possibility. So, yeah, Ian, why don't we do just what you've suggested? I, th I think it needs to be done, doesn't it? Well, I'd love to. Make sure, you make sure you document it, though. I mean, make sure you record the whole thing. I mean, that's what we'll really has to be done. We'll get Ian Wells on board uh, with his cameras, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll. There's no point in doing it unless it's unless it's documented and recorded. So oh, that's uh, the thing. There are so many paranormal people that, that do stuff out there. And they really don't do the recording of it. I mean, you know, they might do it. They don't do the setup. They don't, you know, you got to know all the circumstances around it. So in order to make it a, a proper uh, documentation. You're absolutely right. In other words, the, the beforehand, during and after uh, right. needs to be done. I mean, the number of times that you speak to people and they say, you know, we saw, I saw this, I saw, I said, have you got it on camera? No, no, we didn't catch it. You know, that's the whole idea. You've got to have it. You've got to catch it on camera. So we need to, to do it, but, but record the whole damn thing in. So I'm up for it if you are. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think it'd be a good thing. Okay, It'd be lovely. Okay, we, be have, we have to take a quick break right now for another uh, episode for uh, Mr. Uh, Ian Warman. Okay, cool. Hey! Rising from the Grave. In his book, Scottish Body Snatchers, True Accounts, author Norman Adams paints several gruesome tales of premature burial and inadvertent rescue. Among them is the account of Maggie Dixon, who was hung in 1724 in Inveresk, presumably for a self-induced abortion that she had attempted to conceal. Maggie was hung in the town square, and it is said that the hangman pulled and swung on her legs once the noose was tightened and the latter was kicked out, just for good measure. She was cut down, apparently dead, and her body was put in a cart by her relatives to be taken home for burial. Along the way, the family and friends of the deceased Maggie stopped for a drink. While the mourners were inside the alehouse, Maggie regained consciousness. Her weak cries attracted help, and she was revived by a local surgeon. Later, she was granted her freedom and went on to live many years, being widely known as Half-Hanged Maggie. A similar tale is one from Aberdeenshire, where Marjorie Elphinstone was buried alive and roused from her premature eternal slumber by a grave robber who was trying to steal the rings from her fingers. And there is the story of the minister's wife, Margaret Halcrow. She was saved from an untimely fate when a sexton attempted to rob her grave and found her alive. Her husband was quite shocked to find her knocking on the door one evening. A terrifying tale from Varla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar, available now wherever books are sold. We 
are back. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles International. Richard Felix and Ron Kolek, our very special guest is Ian Lawman, who on April 1st will be buried alive. So there you go. What are you thinking? Wow. I, I, yeah, I mean, it just, just sounds weird every time somebody says it to me, you know. I mean, do you know one of the strangest things when I went to see the engineer who was making the books and he says, do you mind laying down on the floor? I thought, well, hey, what's going on here? And he got his old <laughs> tape measure out and started measuring me up and everything. And uh, oh, it was kind of, kind, of, kind of a strange feeling getting measured up for your own coffin. Isn't it? It's just like you were a corpse. Yeah. Wow. Not many people do it twice, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, they can save the measurements and, uh, well, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> hey, can you save the coffin as well? <laughs> there you go. You can, in fact, what are you going to, you don't know, what are you going to do with the coffin? Well, you know, I don't know. I, um, I, I think, um, you know, I, I should look at what we're going to do with it. Um, don't look into it. Yeah, maybe I might want to bring it home and sleep in it. I might get attached to it. There you yeah. go. Oh my! Hey, I've got a question for you, Ian. Um, you do realise that that spending a week in in a coffin. Um, do, do you sort of? Is it like sort of? Will you will you be up for parole or something uh, later uh, in the next life? Will you? Will <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, possibly so. Maybe this is my lesson, Richard. Yeah, yours will be eternity minus one week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, you, you've not thought of that, had you? No. You never well, know. You never no. know what might happen. Oh, boy. But, but the inter I mean, I, I just, you know, uh, are there, are there going to be monitors connected to you, I mean, as far as medical monitors? Should I say that again? I lost you then. Uh, are there going to be any medical monitors connecting you, like, for instance, capturing brainwaves or heartbeat or, or pulse or any of that? There's going to be no brainwave monitors, um, but there is going to be heart monitors um, because obviously when I sleep, I could, I could uh, they're concerned that um, in the daytime they can obviously contact me, that they're aware that I'm uh, awake because they can, you know, see me moving around and things. Right. Nighttime, um, you know, um, we're going to have ECG and everything rigged up there, but that's going to okay. be um, 24-7, so it's not, just not going to be plugged on at night time. It is going to be on there 24-7. So somebody at the top will be will be um, expertly trained in uh, ECG machines to watch my heart and process my, my movement, really. Well, I, I just can't get over this. This is going to be a really an exciting event, and people will be able to actually see you in your coffin, which, you know, not too many people can say. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen very often. To <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think Ian. I'll tell you something. The next time, uh, the next time I, I do this, um, people will be actually seeing a stiff Ian Lawman in a coffin um, getting lowered six foot down, you know, um, oh, oh, right. but not a live one. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. I've got a quick question for you before we go. What, my friend, are you going to do <laughs> for a week? <laughs> Well, um, the thing is, Richard... Um, In the dark. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have, obviously, Skype. There's going to be a lot of communication there. Uh, there's not a lot I can do, really, to be fair oh, with you. It's okay. just mind control. 
um, you know, and talking to the public via the shoot if they come and see me all week. Um, different staff, there's going to be different staff on each day, so there's going to be a conversation there. Um, my wife's going to be on site, um, you know, uh, three times a day. She's going to come back and forth and visit me and stuff um, all week. So, you know, it, there'll be some communication going there. But the saddest thing, we're, we're allowed no private conversations whatsoever because um, all the conversations have got to be um, listened to in case I choke or anything like that so so there's no private um ushy and um, kind of slushy words uh, yeah. I, I know you got about 30 seconds left in the, in the show so uh i i do you know, your wife is is she a, a medium or does she have any ability at all um do you know it's really really funny she's become more sensitive now um since she's been with me and and she picks up she gets really strong gut feelings about situations she's, she's better than i am at that so this will be interesting too, because that that in itself will be an experience. For instance, uh, you know how, you know what will she sense and feel with you being there? I mean, especially in her her dreams. I mean, I would imagine uh, you you could invade her dreams. Yeah, no, I know. I think you're totally right. She's going to be sensing things while she's in a hotel room and everything at night. She's taking her, her closest friend with her for support and everything. It's quite an emotional roller coaster uh, for Julie, really. All right, uh, we've just about run out of time. Uh, Ian, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And once again, uh, April 1st, Ian will be buried alive. And Richard... No, sorry, and then of course we the next time we hear from, from Ian, we will be talking to, to him from his coffin. Good night, God bless. And that See you soon. Bye bye. Cheers, Ian. Thanks a lot, mate. See you later, mate. Bye. Bye. Good lord.